Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sesternino back here with our 11th and final edition of the Game Changers Cast Preview Series. Very excited to bring you one last episode. What a journey it's been over these last three plus weeks, bringing you profile after profile of all the Game Changers. In the case of Tony and Sandra, we even doubled down. But here today, we have the coup de grace of the entire series, where first, we will be talking about the return of Michaela Bradshaw after her blindside at the hands of Jay in Millennials versus Gen X. Cam Perry will be joining us to talk Michaela. Then we will switch gears and talk about the always lovable Ty Trang. Casey Featherston will join us. And we will put a bow on the Game Changer preview series. Of course, that we've had four episodes of this podcast series up this week between Sandra. And then we talked about Andrea and Beast Mode Cowboy. And we talked about Sierra and Brad Culpepper. And of course, you're back with us today. If you missed any of those episodes or any of them in the series, you could, of course, subscribe to the podcast. Rob has a website dot com slash iTunes for the subscription link. Or you go to Rob has a website dot com. And check everything out. Before we get to today's episode, I just want to take a moment and say that this episode is presented without commercial interruption as a special thanks to the patrons who have supported this podcast, especially over the course of this series. Again, we could not do any sort of big project like this without your support. So thank you guys uh, so much. And thanks to all of the new patrons who came on board over these last couple of weeks. We've got a lot of stuff coming up in the new Survivor season. Looking forward to talking more about it once we get underway with our new season of Survivor. So again, uh, thanks so much for the patrons who are always there for me. All right, let's get into our first profile here today. And I'm going to be speaking with Cam Perry. You met him during So You Think You Can Podcast. Big Michaela supporter, big Michaela fan. And we're going to talk about why it didn't work out in Millennials versus Gen X and what she might be able to do differently in Survivor Game Changers. All right, everybody, let's talk about another one of our Game Changers coming back for season 34. It was not a very long layoff for this Survivor who is coming back from the season of Survivor we just saw. But what a eventful goodbye it was to her when she was blindsided. (laughs) by Jay and the Ikabula tribe in the sixth episode of Millennials vs. Gen X. And here to talk about the return of Michaela Bradshaw. Here he is from the So You Think You Can podcast competition, Cam Perry. Cam! Hey, Rob. I know people don't remember me. I was the first boot oh, on that competition. You. People remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to talk to Michaela today. Good. All right. So, Cam, excited to get into this as well because she was so much fun in those six episodes. And I had sort of heard through the grapevine that she was going to be coming back for season 34. And I really expected her to have a deep run in the season, especially, you know, when she was so funny in the confessionals and such a personality. And I was so blindsided when she went out. Oh, I was too. Like, honestly, I didn't know about that she's going to be returning till like after episode, I think five or so, mm-hmm. because I think episode two, I was afraid she was going to be booted out because she kind of like didn't have hardly any confessionals till about episode four. And I was like, okay, like, you know, like she's probably gonna be that angry, annoying black chick that no one likes at camp. 
and it's going to be the second boot out. So <laughs> no, she was good. She did have a lot of stuff with uh, the Figgy and Taylor when uh, she was talking about Figgy and this girl is dumb. <laughs> That's when I fell in love with Michaela. Oh, yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> she's good. All right. So uh, we'll get into everything uh, with Michaela here today. Uh, Cam, tell us a little bit about yourself for anybody that may not remember you from So You Think You Can Podcast. Okay, so a little background about myself. I'm in direct sales, kind of like Michaela. She's kind of in sales, too. So that's why I kind of gravitated towards Michaela. And also, I'm a big Survivor fan, big Big Brother fan. I actually watched Survivor before I watched Big Brother, so... A lot of people don't know about that. So I love reality TV and I'm just ready to talk reality TV because I love all the reality TV shows, especially Hunted. I love what you guys are doing. Yes. (laughs) So far, so good on the uh, Hunted. All right. Um, So let's talk some uh, Michaela. So anything specific about her that really made you become a fan and ultimately a Michaela expert? Yeah. So Michaela is, is a lot like the friends I went to high school with, you know, real strong personalities pretty much says what they mean and you pretty much got to accept what they say because they're not going to change their opinion on you. And you just got to just have, you know, just understand that they like you. They just want to tell you what they honestly think of you. And I just think that she's just a beast. Like she's just, she can do it all. Like, I mean, I don't think there's anything that Michaela can't do. And in addition to going back and watching the season, you also went back and watched some of these vlogs that she's doing. Correct. Yeah. The team with Michaela videos. I watch every single one of them. I watched a few of them. Like I think, three or four times because those videos give you a better insight on kind of how she is as a character because we really did not see much of her whole uh, character arc on the show because she kind of was out a lot earlier than I expected her to be out. So Okay, so explain what she has been up to because that I haven't gotten the chance to uh, watch any of them except for one I had seen where she was talking about the minority women who got voted out of the tribe. I did watch that one because it was on Reddit. But talk about like what she does in these videos. Pretty much what she does in the videos is she tells you like what she didn't want them specifically she didn't know that the seashell thing was the reason why she actually got booted out, like, which is interesting because obviously this is way after, you know, both seasons are already filmed. And it kind of makes me worried about her, you know, for the upcoming season because she really didn't understand that that was the reason when you would think that when she was everything was going down and Jay was kind of paranoid about the seashell thing about like, you're not going to vote me out, are you? She should have like put two and two together and be like, okay, I got to maybe audible what I was thinking and maybe try to get Jay out because I know he has an idol and I know I can use that to my advantage to try to get him out of the game. Cam, does she talk about things besides Survivor or she just does these vlogs to talk only about Survivor stuff? She talks about just life in general. Like she really is like real about, you know, trying to take advantage of your opportunities because she originally applied for the Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew about that or not. No. And so like what happened was Amazing Race people said, no, you're not a good fit for us, but Survivor would be a good you know, option for you. And that's how she kind of started, you know, watching Survivor and applied for Survivor. So we kind of got a character in Michaela that we probably wouldn't have got if she would have never applied on Amazing Race. So you talked about Michaela, about how she can do everything. But could you define Michaela in a couple of sentences as a player? Strong, determined and willing to do whatever it takes to win the game. Do you see her as a leader? I, I definitely think she's a leader because I feel like especially in the challenge where she was with Hannah in that that puzzle challenge, the maze puzzle challenge, I feel like she led Hannah to be able to finish that challenge. I mean, maybe her way of doing it, maybe it wasn't the most ideal way, but her way was effective in causing Hannah to actually win the challenge because she needed Hannah to finish that for her. 
Well, let's go back and talk about her game in Millennials versus Gen X. And I do feel like that she was like a different kind of millennial because I feel like that everybody else that was there on the millennial tribe, I think that you're probably like what you would traditionally define as a millennial very much into the uh, technology and and have like a lot of different, like really free spirited characteristics. But going back to her bio, I always thought her of her as the really mature millennial, as the person who's talking about how she has a car paid off and isn't in debt and isn't living with her parents. Do you see her in that way at all? Yeah, most definitely. And the team of Michaela videos kind of expand on that a little bit too, and how she definitely has is real intelligent. She definitely knows what her plan, her end game is, and she using Survivor as kind of a vehicle to get to the next step in her life because she kind of sees that everything she does is a stepping stone to something that's bigger and better than what she did before. Hold on. So what is her end game? So she wants to, you know, eventually she wants to have her own businesses, you know, invest in, you know, different stocks and stuff like that. So I feel like she's already way ahead of most people because, you know, like like I said, I still got a bunch of debt and stuff I got to pay for. Yeah. So I wish I was in her shoes because she's my age and she's doing a lot better than me. So, yeah. Well, she said you got to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day, Cam. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to go. (laughs) So, all right. She ends up here on the beach uh, with all these millennials and she has friction with Figgy from the get-go. When you went back and watched that, was it more Michaela's fault that she didn't get along with Figgy or do you think it was more Figgy's fault that she didn't get along with Michaela? Honestly, I think it was probably more figgy because I don't know if if you uh, noticed, uh, and she kind of talked about a little bit in the videos, the vlogs that she does. She said in the first three days, figgy didn't even talk to her. The only people that actually reached out to her originally the first three days she was on the island was uh, Michelle and Jay. Well, why was she so upset with Figgy? I mean, listen to some of these clips that I have of her where she calls Figgy. Miss Cuddleshack. She says about Figgy and Taylor. In the middle of the night, I hear a kiss sound. And I was like, y'all can't be for real. You stink. Your mouth is nasty. You got sand in your drawers and you kissing somebody. That's disgusting. (laughs) I mean, she's right completely on that. I mean, she you shouldn't be doing that right in front of everybody, you know. At least, you know, go somewhere. And you just met the person. And you're doing all this stuff. Like, I mean, I'd act the same way if I was on the island with them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, w- I won't pick on her for that. That's in a confessional and that's all uh, great stuff. But she does get into an argument with Figgy early on. What is it that they're arguing over? Uh, she's just arguing over, like, she just didn't really like her. Like, I mean, I, I think that was just, they just didn't click. Especially with when she had that machete. Like, I thought she was going to kill her. Like, I was like, man, like, why she had that machete so close to her like that? <laughs> and uh, they really are on opposite sides. But they end up becoming strange bedfellows here because they end up on the same side of that first vote where they go to tribal council and they both end up together to vote out Mari. And you would have never thought that that was something that was going to potentially go down like that. How did that come together? Why did Michaela feel like that it was best to put her beef with Figgy aside and vote out Mari? Honestly, I think the only reason why she voted against Mari was because she already had that alliance with Jay, Will, Michelle, Figgy, and, and obviously Taylor, that she didn't want to break that group up. And obviously, towards the end, that pretty much was her downfall. She was so incredibly loyal to those people that actually were in her alliance that she wasn't going to go with Mari because Mari didn't even talk to her till they wanted to get out Figgy. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for her to vote for the people that actually 
came up to her first because if, if Mari would have came to her day one or day two, uh, Figgy would have been home, would have been sent home the first one out of the tribe. So it just makes sense, you know, in my opinion, just because she seems like a person that's incredibly loyal and she doesn't really waver from that. So who was Michaela tightest with in the pre-merge tribe? Uh, Hannah, for sure. Hannah. She was definitely the tightest with Hannah, yes. Hannah seems like she's the last to know, though, about the plan to vote out Mari. Were they talking at all during that point in the game in terms of, like, who to vote out? They just didn't tell her. Like, I, I, And it probably was a good move because Hannah, like, you know, she tells everything as we've seen, you know, after she got voted out, especially with the David situation and everything. You just can't trust her with information. I mean, she pretty much gave David extra weeks in, you know, in the game because, you know, she wasn't able to keep her mouth shut. So how did things change for Michaela after she successfully votes out Mari with Figgy and some of the Triforce Millennials? Like I said, honestly, Michaela really until episode four really was kind of just laying low, letting stuff happen. It wasn't really until she got on the Ikabula tribe where I felt like she really hit her stride and really like was the main person on that tribe. Like she was the woman. Normally I would say the man, but the woman, then Jay. Like that was it. So when they get down to 16, they end up creating this third tribe, Ikabula, and they are told that there's nothing there. The people that get this green buff. They are going to have to go there and start up on their own. And Michaela was not happy when she was told she was part of this Ikabula tribe. You didn't do this right, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. She told Jeff that he screwed it up. Yeah, I was surprised she was barking with Jeff like that. I was like, wow, like she definitely has the balls to be able to go to Jeff like that. Because most people, I mean, especially, you know, Jeff usually won't allow that to happen, but he just let it fly like Nothing was happening. You know, Cam, we started talking about the swap and maybe we missed one of the major story points for Michaela where she is such a beast in the challenges that she wants to win so badly. It didn't even stop her in one of the challenges when she lost her top. They about to see some tie ties today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That was really, I mean, when I, I, I thought, I was like, wow, Michaela really wants to win this game. Cause I was like, she was dragging these girls. Like, I don't know how she got the strength to be able to do this. Cause she don't look like a person that's, you know, incredibly buff and all this stuff to be able to do this type of stuff. She looks like Wonder Woman out there. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. Sure. So, all right. At Ikabula. She is the person that's able to start up the fire and she has like a really good moment when they are first swapped into that new tribe. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, first swap happened. It was incredible because they were trying to make fire. Fire wasn't happening. But Michaela kept trying, kept trying. And then she made the fire and everyone was, was impressed. And Brett was like, Michaela can do it all because they were just happy that someone was able to make fire with the flint because I didn't think they would have water or anything like during that stretch in time. Is she just really determined or does she have some background as an outdoors person? I think she's just determined because I've, Everything that I've seen from her, read from her, doesn't show that she has any type of outdoor experience whatsoever. Yeah. And she, I mean, it just was incredible to watch. She's just driven. Yeah. So she becomes very popular in that Ikabula tribe. And even Brett and Sunday like her. She has Hannah there and Jay and Will. She looks like she's set up very well. But we get to the point where Jay finds a hidden immunity. Jay and Will find the hidden immunity. And she walks up on them. And it's a very funny moment where she's like, hey, what you guys doing? And they sort of like, oh, they got scared that she was right there. And she sees that they have the hidden immunity idol. How disastrous is this ultimately for Michaela Cam? I Honestly, I think. It was disastrous because she didn't play it right. I think she should have used the information to her advantage and she kind of just 
let that information just simmer in her mind, but never actually took action on it. And I think that is the real reason why she got booted pre-merge instead of making the merge. Cause she was really in a great spot to make the merge. What do you think she should have done? The moment that Jay was paranoid, I think she should have told people that Jay has an idol and then use that to his advantage. Because honestly, the only person that Jay really had secured in his back pocket was Will. So she tells everybody Jay has the idol. And then what does she try to do then? Does she then vote out Will? Yeah, vote out Will. She has to do it. She tells, you know, she can say that, you know, hey, you know, Jay, I'm, you know, I know you got the idol. Try to flush the idol out and then get Will out. She could do that. And that's what I would do if I was in Michaela's shoes because... I mean, she has to understand in Survivor, if people are paranoid and start asking you questions like that, you kind of have to make an audible, you know, adjust. It's like a football reference right here. And then, you know, just do everything accordingly and get rid of Jay after you get rid of Will because Jay didn't have that anymore. That's a major swing for her to make, though, because her whole thing about loyalty is that she wants to stick with those millennials against the Gen Xers after the merge. She's talking about how that she wants to go to the final four with them. So she just stumbles upon Jay having the idol. And it's almost like some sort of mob scene where it's like, OK, oh, you walked in here. You saw something that you shouldn't have seen. And now you have to get whacked. It really, honestly, it really hurt both of their games. Because when you think about it, I, I mean, I think like Jay really panicked too. Because if you think about it, if Jay would have kept Michaela, he would have had a, a meat shield to prevent him from being booted. Because honestly, when Jay got to the merge, yeah, he was always the target. If Michaela would have st- still been in the game, Michaela would have probably been a bigger target than Jay, and that's really what ultimately causes him to be booted out at six instead of him making it. You know, maybe final three. I agree. I think it was a bad move for him to get rid of Michaela. And I think it just speaks to this idea of not being able to work out their differences. And, you know, she never saw it coming, but he feels like he has to take her out. So you wonder if there's anything that she could have done to sort of like get out in front of this and be like telling him, don't worry, I'm not going to say anything. And maybe, you know, I don't know how she handled it, but for whatever reason, she made him feel really uneasy about the whole thing. Before we get to the tribal council where Michaela goes home, there's a lot of stuff that ends up happening and it wasn't on the show, but in talking about it with Adam in our interviews where we see Michaela is helping Zeke and Michelle in the immunity challenge in that fifth episode. And she's trying to help them win immunity because we think that she wants to help out the millennials that are over there. She thinks that they're in danger And she feels like that Adam, Figgy, and Taylor are going to be okay because they have three on that tribe. But it really turns out where Michaela was like signaling to Adam, hey, vote out Figgy. And then we're going to see in the next episode how happy she is when Figgy is ultimately gone from the game. Bye, Felicia. Do you think... (laughs) is is uh, that too demonstrative for a game of survivor in terms of you know not keeping your cards close enough to the vest i mean obviously there was no love lost when figgy was was booted out of the game but she really should have kind of kept her mouth shut and not been so like emotional about the whole situation because like i said everything she does everything she did do whether she was winning challenges whether, whether she was talking about certain players whether she was helping other tribes um, it all kind of was her downfall and, you know, because she was doing everything to put a, a big old target on her back. Yeah. And she kind of just really needed to lay low for a little bit and kind of let everyone else kind of put targets on their back instead of her own self. 
She really did become a larger than life figure in terms of how she was able to really dominate in the challenges. And then she had so much to say every time the tribes were together. So she really, I think, was you know a really big figure coming into this merge. So they get to the point where they have to go to tribal council. They have six people at Ikabula. And so she tries to keep the four millennials together. And I think they're going to vote out Brett, if I remember. And this is when Jay decides that he's going to make his move. He's going to get Brett and Sunday on board to take out Michaela. And they really have no other move other than to try to go back to Michaela and Hannah and say something. But why on earth would they do that when uh, they're being told that Jay's going to give them uh, a few more days in the game? Exactly. So Michaela ends up at this tribal council. This is when we see her with the shells. She talks about it in these videos. Of course, it's a big moment for her. So explain, what was she doing on the beach with those shells? Really, Michaela was just planning her moves so far ahead and telling everyone in her alliance, which I don't, I just, I still don't understand why she did that. I feel like she'd been better off kind of putting Hannah to the side, you know, trusting one person and telling her kind of her plan to that one person as, as opposed to telling everyone what she's doing. And then Michelle, you know, is part of the alliance, the original alliance they had. And Jay don't want to lose Michelle because if he loses Michelle, then he has, you know, less people in his core alliance and, Michaela could definitely turn her because now she has the numbers to maybe flip and go to, you know, a bread or a Sunday or whoever's left on the other tribe that wants her around. So it just doesn't make sense why she did it so early in the game and told so many people her game plan. Cam, you know what? I don't think that this was that big a deal for her because I think that, look, I can remember being at a similar point in Survivor of the Amazon. And while I did not have a visual aid and, you know, sort of like get out the chalkboard and draw up the play, I do remember when we were in the Swap Tribe talking about, okay, here's what we're going to do at the merge. We're going to vote off Roger and we'll all act like all the guys will act like we're back together with him. And then we can vote all those guys out. So I do recall having sort of like a group strategy talk about what we were going to do coming up that I think that that just ended up being something where in like the TV show, I think that was an easy thing to point to where people like, you know, Jay and Will can point to and say, Oh, see that, see what she was doing there. We knew that was very threatening what she was doing. That was very strategic. That was where we had to make our move. Once we saw her do that, we knew that she was a threat. I I don't think that that was ultimately, what was she saying? Her plan was, hey, the four of us, we're going to go to the final four. I mean, it wasn't like that it was uh, the pendulum strategy she was outlining. Right, right. I mean, like I said, I guess it really comes down to, like we kind of mentioned this earlier, that she just had information on Jay and Will. So Jay and Will, once they find that there's some type of strategy getting involved, they're going to make the move before Michaela makes her move and they just really panicked and made a move that was too soon for both of them. So I don't know if in the episodes they were talking about, can you believe what she did with the shells? Could you believe that, that she drew up that play in the sand? That's a deal breaker. We got to get rid of her. It did seem like it was much more about the idol. And, and maybe my recollection isn't great on that episode. So uh, did they actually mention that in the episode? Yeah, they didn't mention that in the episode. Okay. So maybe it's just some revisionist history. So we get to this tribal council But Cam, what a moment it was when she goes out of the game, because when those votes start coming up for Michaela, first her head spins around like the exorcist looking at Jay. (laughs) When she sees her name come up that one time. But then after the votes come for her, then she ultimately gives him. Did you do that? Yeah. I did it. Wow. 
She's so mad. She was so mad. And know what's the funny thing about this? I I thought she'd be a lot more upset than she actually was. If that's as crazy as that sounds. And then actually watching her vlog, she said she wasn't even that upset about it. Mm, I don't know. Honestly, like I, it's hard for me to believe because if I got blindsided like that, I'd probably be very pissed about it and probably not even talk to them for like at least a year. Yeah, about the whole situation. <laughs> right. So either Michaela is the coolest person in the whole world, or maybe that there's some spin uh, coming out of this. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But what a great moment. And really, everybody thought I think Brett, when I had spoken with him, said that he thought that she might have just turned around and clocked Jay. Uh, She didn't. She leaves. And we have a game changer in the making. Did Michaela change the game in any way, Cam? I mean, not really. I mean, not in the sense of like made any big moves because she, like I said, Jay kind of got the jump on her. But I feel like if she would have made it to the merge, I think she would have definitely made some game changing moves because she's a real intelligent, bright individual. I mean, she got her head on right. I mean, she has all the tools needed to make big moves in this big moves era of Survivor that we're playing. Probably uh, no real thing that we could put our finger on, but great exit at least from the game. Maybe she changed the way people go out of the game that it's okay just to like uh, really call somebody out like, what? What did you do? (laughs) So we'll see if that changes the game in any way. Okay, so she's coming back for season 34. She is a complete unknown to everybody who's there with the exception of Zeke. But for Michaela, how much are the other players an unknown for her? Do you get a sense, Cam, that she knows a lot of these other Survivor players uh, that she's going to be playing with? Does she has she seen a lot of the show? Uh, she she really started seeing it once she started applying for the show. So she, I mean, she probably knows about Sandra, but she probably hasn't seen her season. To be honest with you, because that was like well, that's when she played like seven years ago. <laughs> it was a while ago. Especially if she's somebody who's applying to be on The Amazing Race first. That Look, and I applied to be on Big Brother before I ended up on Survivor. I just happen to be a big fan of both of those shows. So it's possible that maybe she's just like a reality TV super fan. But it seems like that maybe she just wanted to get in the mix for casting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I think she definitely knows Beast Mode Cowboy. I think she definitely knows him. Why? Why do you say that? I mean, she, she probably at least heard about him from either Big Brother or Survivor. It was pretty recent to the Survivor season. Yeah, you're right. She probably almost undoubtedly watched Korong before she uh, left to go. And so with those people that played on the season before, as she's getting ready to leave, then she's going to be watching all these people. So you would figure at least the Korong people are going to be sort of top of mind. Now, before we get into who she's going to play with, what about like adjustments that Michaela might have made? We talked about how she didn't really see the thing about the shells until after this season, after Millennials versus Gen X aired. So what do you think are adjustments that she might have tried to make from going out in the pre-merge? Okay, so I'm going to kind of go a little bit further back. So I'm going to give an example of another Survivor player that played a back-to-back season. We're going to talk about Rupert, one of the, you know, all-time greats, you know, one of people's favorite Survivor players. His fatal flaw in his first season was real similar to Michaela's fatal flaw in the first season. She was incredibly loyal. She was the main, the man, the woman, whatever you want to say. The provider. She did everything, just like Rupert did. And Rupert was a target from the get-go, just like Michaela was a target pretty much from the get-go once she started winning all these challenges and stuff. And both players did not want to lose a single immunity challenge at all. Like, they were playing the offensive. They really didn't have a defensive strategy. I think Michaela has a lot more upside because I think she's a better strategist, but we haven't really seen it from our first season. But 
I feel like both players really didn't have a strong social game either. So I think that's really, there's a lot of comparison between the two players. And I feel like her upside is probably similar to Rupert's upside when he played his second season in All-Stars. I would say that a difference between Rupert 1.0 and Michaela 1.0 was that in Survivor All-Stars, we had seen six episodes of Rupert in Pearl Island. I think Rupert was sort of like a beloved figure among the all-stars. I think everybody was excited to see him there. We knew who he was and it was like, oh, this guy is great. He's like a pirate. Oh, this will be really fun to have him here. I'm glad they brought him out here for this. Whereas Michaela is just, she's such an unknown to everybody that they don't know when they see her, if she's the ultimate survivor villain in the making, or if, you know, in the case of somebody that has a lot of upside and also this big personality. Although I kind of feel like that they'll get it after spending some time with her for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, I, like I said, I, I just think that her story is not finished and I feel like she has so much potential potential to really make some big moves, especially when there's bigger players on her tribe already that she can kind of hide, you know, and doesn't have to be like the main person that people are worried about. In terms of millennials versus Gen X, did you think that Michaela functioned better with the younger people or do you feel like that she had better relationships with people like Brett and Sunday when she was able to work with them? Honestly, I think she probably eventually would have functioned better with the older people. But like I said, she kind of had to figure out what type of people she could really align herself with. Because really with the millennials, she really didn't have that many options available to her. I mean, besides Hannah, because the other tribe mates that she had, they weren't going to take Michaela. Michaela was at the very bottom of that alliance. So it's just she had to make the switch at some point, And I just don't know when that would have happened for her. But I think that she would do better in a tribe with older people. She got along very well with Brett and Sunday. And Brett, in talking with him, he was talking about how he loved being out there with Michaela. And she's very polite. You know, I think she was talking about like Miss Sunday. And she was, you know, really, really respectful to the older players in the game. And I think that's going to go far. For whatever reason, it seems like her peers were more threatened of her than the older players in the game. Yeah, and that probably probably is because of like we said before, it's just how she carries herself. She's a real mature individual and like, you know, no offense to the millennials, but she really is someone that is more of a Gen Xer than she is a millennial. So that'll be interesting to see if she's able to get along with some of the older players that are going to be in her tribe. So let's take a look at the people she's going to start off this new game with. Of course, she will be there with Aubrey, Sierra Easton, Haley, Sandra, Beast Mode Cowboy, Jeff Varner, Malcolm, Tony, and Troy's in. Does anybody jump out to you, Cam, as somebody that would be a good relationship for Michaela? Right off the bat, Sandra. That's the person that's they're going to hit it off day one. Honestly, like I was looking at the list and I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely number one choice. I, I could probably bet all the money in my bank account that that's going to happen. <laughs> I agree with you. I do think that Sandra really likes these women with big personalities who are straight shooters. And I do feel like she's the type of person Sandra does enjoy spending time with. Yeah, most definitely. Do you feel like that Michaela will gravitate towards Sandra? I think Sandra will gravitate towards Michaela. Mm -hmm. I just think it's maybe equal. I don't I don't really know. I just feel like those two specifically, they just it's just going to happen. The other ones, it really just depends on like the circumstances, because I don't know who else like because I don't know what Tony's going to do. That's really the big wild card. Mm -hmm. Always. Because he obviously has won the game before. And usually 
especially people that have won the game once before. I mean, Sanders twice, so she's going to be a huge target just off the rip. Yeah. She could be the first one out, but it's just, I don't know if Tony's going to want to go towards what Sanders, where Sanders at, or if he's going to try to do his own thing uh, and just try to make as many big moves as he can before he gets eventually booted out of the game. A lot was made about the relationship between Michaela and Hannah during season 33. Hannah has at times been compared to Aubrey. Do you think that there is something natural between Aubrey and Michaela. Yeah, I can see that too because as we you know we watched Aubrey's you know last season when she was on uh Corone, uh she was real uh she had an alliance with Sydney. And I feel like Sydney, there's a lot of comparisons people made to Sydney and Michaela. Yeah. So I feel like that's another thing that could happen too. So I mean I didn't really really even think about this so someone brought it up a couple of days ago. But I could see that too where it could be that three person alliance with Aubrey, uh, Michaela, and Sandra. Yeah, that would be fun that you have Aubrey who worked with somebody who is like Michaela in her season and Michaela who worked with somebody who was like Aubrey. It's like that we need like some sort of like survivor matchmaker of like, uh, you guys should work together. You guys, yeah, <laughs> that she's your type and you're her type. You guys would be good together. I think that, that could, I could see it. I like that. What about Sierra and Haley? Either of them potentially, could they strike a figgy nerve for, with Michaela? I think Haley definitely. I think Haley's gonna be the first one out. Whoa! I, <laughs> I'm not high on Haley at all. Like she is definitely the weak link of that tribe. Why? Why are you so down on Haley? Just everything about her. I just really didn't like her when she was on her season. Nothing about her literally strikes out. And she really is one of the few players that really doesn't bring that much to the table as far as game changers. I don't know. I just don't really like her as a player. I mean, she's probably the first one out. You know, if she makes it far, she probably made some crazy moves, got out some big players with Sierra. I feel like those two really are kind of on the outs. Like, just I don't really see where they'll fit in this tribe. You could see them sort of being BFF and sort of being on the bottom. Where do you feel like the guys are going to be in terms of this mix that we're describing? So let's talk through a couple of the Tony is such a wild card. Do you think that Malcolm is somebody that would be a good relationship for Michaela? Does she look at him as a J at all? I think so. Jay is pretty much a poor man's Malcolm anyways. I mean, if we're being perfectly honest. So, I mean, you just got to call a spade a spade. So I feel like she's going to have resentment towards the fact that someone like Jay is on her tribe and she's going to do everything she can to get Malcolm out of the game. So she's going to go after Malcolm just because Jay did her dirty in season 33. This is like when my wife gets mad at me for something I did in her dream. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no offense to Malcolm, but I just he just is in the losing end of her just getting off the previous season and then playing another season and seeing someone that's just like Jay, she won't deal with it. Do you think that the way that she went out in terms of being blindsided and playing so close to being uh, voted out and not seeing it coming, do you think that that's the kind of thing that makes her more paranoid in the game? And do you think that she's potentially more aggressive because she's even more neurotic that, okay, I don't know, I could be getting voted out at any moment? Honestly, I think she's going to play a lot more passive, at least early on, in my opinion, because she's not going to try to, you know, make big waves. She's going to try to just make it to the merge. And then once it gets to the merge, then that's when she's going to start making her moves that she were going to make if she would have made the merge, you know, for millennials versus Gen X. That's what I think is going to happen. Well, I agree. 
I think the move for her is to really just slow play everything. Don't make any sudden moves. Let these people get to know you and definitely don't come out and try to be this major player early going and sort of like hang out to the merge. She can win challenges. Hopefully she's made a lot of good relationships and it could be a very good run for her if she can just play it slow. Yeah, most definitely. Establish the run. (laughs) (laughs) That's the the move. What about Troyzan? Is Troyzan a potential friend for Michaela? Uh, I, I think he's a wild card too. I, I I don't think she's gonna try to make any you know big moves with him either. The only person outside of like the people I just said that she I think she'll try to reach out to is maybe Beast Mode Cowboy because he is a loyal guy and he you know is likable and I feel like that's the type of person that she may say okay you know I. I watched you in Big Brother. I mean, I assume she watched Big Brother or Survivor in the season. You know, so I think she's going to try to make a move with him. But outside of him, I don't think she's going to make any like other potential alliances with anybody else on that tribe. And what about Jeff Varner? He's a wild card completely. Like, I don't know what he's going to do. I feel like that that's not really going to work out. I feel like that she can't trust him. Uh, now, Zeke is also in this season. They were on the Millennial Tribe together. They didn't really have any interactions that I can remember. Do you remember anything? Any sort of like uh, conversations that they had in the uh, seven episodes that she was on the show? Only conversation they had was when they were on separate tribes and they were trying to help them win uh, immunity. I mean, that's the only thing that I remember. Didn't have really any conversations besides it that I saw and I, I rewatched it three times you know all the episodes so I just tried to figure out what the connection was and there really wasn't much of a connection Cam do you get the sense that if they ended up on the same beach at some point that they would work together I think they would I could just because they have common interests, they really aren't enemies of each other. And it would make sense for them to work together. But as we've seen from Zeke, you really can't trust him because he had an Oklahoma connection with Chris and he got rid of him. I, I didn't think he would ever turn on Chris. Yeah, but that happens post-merge. So does Michaela even know that that happened? Like if she's on the pre-jury trip, right. how filled in does she ultimately end up getting on the season before she goes and plays that I, I honestly, I really, I don't know how much time they had in between and you know, what connections, like sometimes we have these things where they play, you know, it's only like a week or two later and other times maybe it's a little bit of a longer layoff like Rupert had. I don't know exactly what the time frame was and who she was able to download information from. Like, I have no idea if she knew Adam one at the time that she started to play this game. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question right there. You know, it would change what she would do drastically because if she doesn't know the information, that could be her downfall right there because she could trust Zeke and then Zeke could just turn on her and she wouldn't see it coming. It'd be the same thing that happened previously and except she would make it to the merge and it would happen. What else do the listeners need to know about Michaela? Make sure that you expect that you're going to see a whole different Michaela this upcoming season. You mean like... They're about to see some tie-ties today. Yeah. (laughs) What will we see this time? Like I said, we're going to see a much more passive game from her. I feel like we're going to actually see her as a strategist for this upcoming season. I just have high hopes that she'll make it far this time around. Do you have a prediction on Michaela in season 34? Michaela is going to win Survivor Game Changers. Wow. You really, you mean that? Yeah, I really mean that. I think she'll win. You think that the jury would give the money to somebody that they don't even know coming into this? Or do you think that after 39 days, it's a whole different ballgame? I think after 39 days, it's going to be a whole different ballgame. I, I I just feel like she has all the tools needed to win Survivor. And I just think the sky's the limit for her. I just think that she has a great shot and she will win this upcoming season. 
Sky's the limit for Michaela. All right, Cam, great stuff. Thank you for going through all of the Michaela information and going back through all of the vlogs. Is there anything that she did on the vlogs that you think that people should definitely try to check out? Is there any of them that are really great? I would tell people to watch them all, to be honest with you. I, I mean, there's just so many that are so good. I think the Amazing Race one, uh, look that up. It's, it's uh, Michaela. Just look her up and, and look Amazing Race on there, and you'll find some good stuff in there. What does she talk about? Pretty much talks about like her process and also what her fatal flaw was in, in the game, and not as, as a sense of the seashell thing, but just in the sense of what happened was she thinks that what people's perception of you, you got to be the exact opposite if you are a threat to what people's perception of you actually is. So say me or you, you know, like if I'm a threatening looking guy, I got to be the exact opposite for people to accept who I am. What about if you are somebody who is very non-threatening? Do you have to come off as like tougher or do you have to play into that? I think you got to play into that unless people think that the way you are is threatening to them and as they're playing the game. So if people don't think that that's a threat to them in the game, you can just play it up. But if people think that's a threat, they think that you're sneaky or you're doing something or you're just not who you say you are, then you got to change it up. I feel like that was pretty interesting, like how she had a different perspective on something I never really thought about. I think that probably what it is, if you are like a physical presence and you're somebody who's threatening or intimidating in terms of like, oh, they're going to win the challenges. You have to just come off as like the nicest person and not somebody that people have to be afraid of. And if you are like a weaker person, I don't think it's that you have to act tough, but you have to at least be non-threatening enough. You know, like we've seen Cochran do at times and David this past season where it's like, oh, he's harmless. Don't worry about how smart he is. He's harmless. He's a nice guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Cam, thank you so much for going through all of this. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for people to find you? You can just hit me up on Twitter. I'm always on there at Cam Perry 21. Reach me there and I'll definitely answer any questions you guys got. Yeah. And you are really great with reaching out to people on Twitter. You're always very positive. Reddit, you are very engaged with all the other people in the community. And I think that that's always a lot of fun. Yeah. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me with Michaela because it was pretty fun. And, you know, I just love Survivor and Big Brother and all reality shows. So it's fun to talk about it. All right, Cam. Well, thank you so much. And good luck to Michaela in season 34. Yeah. All right, everybody. There you have it. Cam Perry talking about the return of Michaela. And that leaves only one last interview to bring you as we have gone through 19 of the 20 Survivor Game Changers. And that would be. Ty Trang. So here is my interview with Casey Featherstone. We're going to go through everything from Survivor Co. Wrong and what you might expect from Ty Trang coming up here in Survivor Game Changers, kicking off this Wednesday night. Here's my interview with Casey Featherstone. Please welcome Casey Featherstone. Casey, how are you? I'm good, Rob. Are you ready to talk about Ty? Oh my God! I am. Yes, I'm really excited to talk about him. Yeah, I'm excited too because Ty was uh, such a breakout character in season 32. He had everything going on with Mark the Chicken and the Super Idol and Sia. So he certainly made his mark on the season. And so I'm glad uh, that he is coming back and a surefire all-star. I think we would have said during the airing of the season. And so quickly he is back as a game changer kind of how much he's learned in such a short time. Yes. Well, it was a very quick turnaround for these Korong people where they basically had their finale. He's getting money from Sia 
And then I think it was like, see you later. I think you went off and were on the plane within like 10 days or something like that. Yeah, I mean, super short turnaround. Yeah, like I don't even know if he had time to spend Sia's money yet. No, I doubt it. I doubt it. So before we get into talking about Ty, can you tell us a little bit about you and ultimately why Ty is an appealing character to you? Yeah, so I've been a Spyro fan since the show started and kind of then once I found the podcast, I kind of like drifted down to just being just a fan and then I found the podcast and went back up to super fan again like I was in the beginning. Brought you back. Yeah, brought me back to kind of the fandom when I realized that I wasn't, you know, alone, just sitting at home watching Survivor alone and mm-hmm. <laughs> have people to talk to. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, as someone who's gay who watches Survivor, it's always good to have like good standout LGBT characters. And I really admired that Ty was there and was, you know, getting along with people and just it didn't even seem to be an issue with anyone on there, which I thought was great. Kind of going back to the first season when Richard was out there and, you know, had him deal with Rudy and just kind of how far we've come. And really great to see that. And in this upcoming season, too, we have three gay contestants playing. All right. So let's talk about Ty Trang. And here he is back from season 32. Let's go back to the brains versus beauty versus brawn. And so there he is in uh, the tribe of six uh, with Beast Mode Cowboy, who is here back again with the Mayo Jar. He's there. And Anna, eventual winner, Michelle Fitz and Julia Sokolowski. So I'm sure you went back and rewatched his season from Korong. What did you see about Ty in the early days? I know he gets in some hot water right off the bat. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, he gets kind of in hot water at the beginning. But aside from him kind of searching for the idol because the beauty tribe, you know, they're on this huge streak of winning. You don't really actually see too much of what goes on in the beauty tribe because they have three tribes to divide with and they're never at risk for tribal until they swap tribes. So really the only interaction you get is him kind of looking for the idol and then him developing this relationship with Caleb, which ultimately you don't get to see too much of after Caleb gets evacuated. But other than that, there's not too much going on storyline until he gets to join some of the other people with the swap. One of the stories that we follow with Ty in the pre-swap beauty tribe tribe is his quest for the hidden immunity idol and i remember the night that i'm not sure if it was the first episode it might have been the premiere where he is digging up trees looking for the idol and he gets a clue and then he ultimately i think is approached by anna kate and nick and they're asking him like everybody's like paranoid are you looking for the idol and he's like yeah i'm just looking for the idol over here i just need like uh five more minutes was that as bad on the rewatch as we remember it being? It was, yeah. I. <laughs> it was kind of more amazing watching it, knowing that he gets as far as he does when he's in hot water on basically day one. It's amazing how he was able to turn that around. He's the first one that they start want to target out of the beauty tribe. If they were to go to tribal, he probably would have went home. You know, in the ultimate story of the season, he's going to end up being a zero vote finalist. But I feel like that we were watching the season and feeling like, okay, this is going to be one of the most charismatic people that we've ever had in the show. You can't let this guy get to the end. Did you feel like on the rewatch that that's how he's perceived on the island and he somehow blows it? Or do you feel like that maybe was overstated how much people liked him? Yeah, I feel like they kind of built him up a little bit more than what he ended up being, because if I would have watched the first episode, if I had been spoiled and knew that Ty was in the final three and got zero votes, I would not have believed it. I would have not understood how that had happened. He's there. Everyone seems to like him aside from being suspicious of him. But he's this big character that they, aside from maybe Caleb, he's he's really prominent in the beauty tribe when they're showing them. Maybe a couple scenes without him. They built him out to be this huge character that they want you to like. It's interesting how he doesn't get any votes when it seems like they want him to be a very likable character and someone you root for. Casey, could you talk to me a little bit about the relationship between Ty and Beast Mode Cowboy? And again, 
Caleb is only going to be there for four episodes. And really that fourth episode is going to be mostly consumed with his medical evacuation from the game. But it looked like they were really building up a bromance between the two of them. We have the stolen kiss happening between uh, Ty and Beast Mode Cowboy. So what did you think of that on the rewatch? It's interesting to watch. I liked how they built that up. And yeah, him and Caleb, they seem like instantly drawn to each other within with the first couple interactions. They are already getting along. They're both being the two providers at camp and they mesh well. And especially after watching Caleb and Big Brother, it's so mm-hmm. interesting to see him drawn to Ty. I mean, I guess I know he was drawn with to Frankie Grande a little bit, but yeah, just the personality I saw for a whole summer. And then he's out there and he's best buds with Ty. That's this character. And it seems like that that was a friendship which sort of transcended the show, because if I remember from last spring, I think that Beast Mode Cowboy had gotten married shortly before season 34, and I believe Ty and Anna attended Beast Mode Cowboy's wedding. Yeah, no, um, they were both there. And that was to say another thing I'd point out, I had saw a video, I don't know when it was aired, but that Caleb had been pretty vocal about kind of not being too supportive of gay marriage and equality and that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. having seen that and then going back and seeing how he was still wanting to be best friends with Ty and knew that he was gay and was completely okay with it. It kind of was really interesting to watch knowing that out of the game, he had made conflicting statements to that. Yeah. And I I know the video that you're referencing, which I think might've been post BB 16, but who knows how his relationship with Ty changed the way that he's viewing the world at this moment. Definitely. And they're on opposite tribes, but if they both make each other merge, I mean, there's no reason why they wouldn't reunite and possibly, you know, run the game a little bit if they're that strong of a bromance. Do you think that they're going to be perceived as a tight pair that if we end up with a scenario where Caleb and Ty are on the same tribe at some point where people are going to target one or both of them for potentially being an inseparable pair? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, they're both going to have their strengths. You know, Caleb's a very physically fit person. So I think he's going to be able to win individual immunity if he's at the merge. And then Ty is going to be already suspected having the hidden idol. So if they're able to both kind of do well in those areas, they could potentially run the game and not be at risk. So let's talk about what happens to Ty post-swap, because we end up going from a good situation very quickly to a bad one for the Beauty Tribe, where Caleb gets medevaced, Julia Sokolowski has to go off to Exile Island by herself, which ends up in a situation where Nick and Michelle go off to the one tribe, and then Anna and Ty end up on a tribe where they're actually outnumbered by three members from the Brains tribe, and then also Scott Pollard. And so they are very quickly realizing that they are in a bad spot. Anna is considering throwing Ty under the bus here in this spot, but Ty doesn't really think about uh, it in that way. He's offering to use his idol on Anna to save her. Now, I think that this is a pretty interesting spot here because we just came out of a season in Millennials versus Gen X where In the Survivor podcasting slash blogging world, I think that we really killed David Wright for the move he made in that fourth tribal council where he ends up saving Jessica to keep somebody that he perceived as a close ally in the game. And I think that we were probably getting ready to kill Ty in the same manner. Does anything from the way it worked out for David change the way that we think about Ty's move to potentially use an idol to save Anna at that point? I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious how that would have worked out. He didn't have Scott on his side 
and Scott's the one who persuaded him not to use it. So he may very well have just used the idol just to save himself or to get Peter out of there. But right after the swap, he instantly makes his bond with Scott. And, you know, Scott's lifting him up and putting him in the tree so he can get the fruit. Scott's the one who tells him that Anna's going to go home so he can save the idol and use that for their potential super idol later on. But it potentially changes a lot of things where you keep Anna, Kate in the game and then you have more power for the beauty tribe. And I think that you sort of take some of the wind out of the sails of Kyle, Jason and Scott Pollard because they lose the ability to make the super idol without ties half of that super idol. So I think it really would change a number of things in the season. So it's just interesting. I don't want to be results oriented where it worked out well for David that we should say that now everybody needs to be doing that. But maybe we shouldn't have just uh, completely poo pooed that idea for Ty at the point that it happened in Survivor Co. Wrong. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of funny, too, how even if Julia had not been exiled and she went to the other tribe with Nick and Michelle, Ty and Anna may very well not have even been targeted. Mm -hmm. Like they were only targeted because they knew that they were losing and that another beauty was coming in. Yeah. Where they didn't even give them a chance. It wasn't even that they were outnumbered. They were just like, hey, they're going to have three beauties if we don't get rid of one of them. Yeah. And then who knows what happens after the merge when they get back together with Nick and Michelle and really is a, a very different season. But that's uh, that's a totally different podcast. True, so yes. <laughs> what actually happens is then Ty is working with Scott Pollard and then they bring Julia back into the fold. And then we end up in this situation where Aubrey ends up having that vote where she ends up crossing out Julia's name and then writing in Peter's name before Peter ultimately goes home. Interesting just to mark on our list, uh, not mark the chicken, that Ty and Aubrey, you know, are on different sides of the vote. But I do feel like that based on how the season worked out, I think that all of the hatchets were buried. Yeah, definitely. And also before Julie even comes over, they come back from tribal and instantly the whole tribe just gathers around Ty and they they tell him how much they appreciate him and they make him think that he wasn't even at risk, that he's such a provider. They would never have gotten rid of him and they instantly want to get rid of any bad blood with Ty. Yeah. Before Julie has even joined the tribe. Yeah, the Ty stock watch, I feel like that you know, it's low in the beginning, but like it's really high in the middle and then it's really low again by the end. Yeah, definitely. It's it's weird how it kind of happens like that. You know, that he's so heavily prominent in kind of the middle and everybody likes him. And you just think he's running the game when that turns out not to be the case. He was set up well. And, you know, I recall a certain moment that happens right after the merge where a lot of people are scrambling about what's going to go on, where you have these three tribes coming into the merge. And it looked like while everybody was trying to put together this battle between what was left of the beauty tribe on one side plus the brawn and then what was left of the brains tribe on the other side you had this moment where debbie who's also coming back this season is reaching out to ty trying to force an alliance on him and ty doesn't really like getting told what to do no not at all and yeah he's very put off by that yeah ty and debbie i feel like have a very interesting relationship because i feel like they're talking a lot all the time but they're never really on the same side you know when ty goes with scott and jason He's still like communicating with Debbie pretty well, but you know, she's the first one they take out when they are kind of in power. Ty and Debbie are going to start off this game on the same tribe in season 34. What else did you see about that relationship between those two when you went back and did this co-wrong rewatch? I think they get along really well when they're there in the game together. But my concern is that Debbie is going to be kind of bitter about her blind side. He jumps with Jason Scott and they take out Debbie and she doesn't seem like she's too much of a Ty fan anymore. So I don't know if that has changed since them coming back or if she's going to be willing to give him another chance or if she's done with him. Casey, why do you say that you feel like Debbie is not a Ty fan? 
Well, I mean, him, Jason Scott are the ones who orchestrated her getting out. You know, she was in a good position of power and they kind of came together and took her out right after she's gone. Then they're at tribal and Jason's like, yeah, Debbie was our first target. We're we're on to the next after this. And final tribal, she just she doesn't seem like she has much respect for Ty either. So before Debbie gets voted out, the first vote after the merge comes after the Neil medevac and we get this really bizarre situation that I still don't know if we got to the bottom of where Nick gets voted out here. A lot of the women plus Joe come together to blindside Jason and Scott and maybe Ty and certainly Nick to take Nick out of the game. Ty at this vote ends up voting for Jason, which isn't really talked about a lot during the show. Were you able to get to the bottom of this? Why Ty voted for Kyle Jason at the first vote after the merge? No, he never really explains that. He kind of says it was in a moment of panic and he doesn't really he doesn't even seem like he understands what he was doing. You know, they come and approach him afterwards and he doesn't even like in his confessional. He is still kind of confused at his own actions. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't have a good of reason. He doesn't know what to tell them. And yeah, it's interesting that of all people, he picked Jason to just throw that vote away. Even if he was, you know, not in the main plan, there were so many other people he could have thrown a vote towards. While they're at Tribal Ty also mentions the super idol that really only I maybe Aubrey knew because of Neil and then Jason and Scott. Nobody else was really aware that the super idol was a thing. Yeah. And when Jeff kind of calls Ty out, on it that he revealed a lot ties like oh i thought everyone knew about this super idol kind of calling out that he has an idol no one's really known they were suspect to it scott knew but you know when he told anna michelle and nick weren't there so no one really knew ty had the idol but this kind of confirms that he has that because he was given this extra piece of information that no one else had that's a really interesting point i think something that i forgot over the last however months it's been since survivor co wrong where Ty really is not great under pressure. He really fades under cross-examination, I feel like. In these situations where somebody is asking him tough questions, and I'm sure that English is not a first language for him, I don't believe. He really struggles when he has to lie about something and lie quickly about it. And I wonder if that is something that is going to hurt how much people trust him with really privileged information. I mean, I think so. I mean, he Keith nails it, as I would say. I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> he doesn't know how to lie mm-hmm. or to just be quiet when he needs to. Yeah. Which, I mean, Keith did well his second time. You know, they both went far, so he could potentially play a similar game as Keith. Yeah. When Keith came back to Cambodia. But I wonder if, if somebody has an idol, would they be not so likely to share it with Ty, share that information with Ty, because they know he has no poker face, unlike Anna Kate. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, if he is somehow at the merge aligned with Tony, Tony's not going to tell him nothing. Like when Tony has his four idols or however many they're going to provide him with this season. <laughs> uh, could we get to a world where Ty and Tony interact? Is that possible? I hope so. I want to see that happen at the merge. I'm really holding out. You know, Ty seems to get along with the brawn men. Mm-hmm. So maybe Tony's going to be having a similar relationship that Jason or Scott had. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I would love that. <laughs> So then Debbie ends up going out here after Ty ends up voting for Kyle Jason somehow. And then this is the big moment which happens in the season for Ty, I believe, where the plan comes together for Scott Pollard. So talk us through exactly where things go wrong for Scott, because he and Jason seemingly overplay their hand with Ty. 
Yeah. So I feel like the distrust kind of starts here with the psychological warfare, which is this big thing that Jason and Scott want to do. You know, they're mad because they weren't in on the Nick vote. So they're going to trash the camp and they're going to let everyone know that they're the men around there. Instantly, they tell Ty and Ty is not comfortable with it whatsoever. Like he is not about that. He doesn't like to make people uncomfortable. He tells them morally he doesn't want to do that. So I think that's kind of the start of Ty drifting away from them and not wanting to trust them because he knows, you know, they're trouble. They're troublemakers. And not before Ty himself also pours water on the fire, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you could tell he really is hesitant about it, but he doesn't want to upset Jason and Scott. He doesn't want to be on the other end of the psychological warfare. I almost feel like he's like a troubled teen in that moment where he's doing stuff to do some sort of like gang initiation. And then you want to say to him like, Ty, this isn't you. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Why are you doing this? You know better than this, Ty. Very um, uh, Rolf and Sound of Music. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Where, yeah, you, you're still rooting for him. <laughs> but uh, Come back to us. Where's, our, where's the old Ty? Yeah. But then in that episode, then later they get to Tribal. And this is when Jason gives Ty his idol mm-hmm. to let them know that they're going to have the super idol. He's flaunting this in front of the whole tribe. Talk to me about Aubrey's role in all of this, because I remember her being really involved in flipping Ty back to the light side of the force. Yes. Yeah. She's the one who brings him over. The girls are kind of talking. So, yeah, at this point, the girls are kind of united, but Julia has kind of drifted over to the boys. Mm-hmm. So the girls have kind of already lost Julia. So in exchange, they're going to try to pull Ty. Mm-hmm. And they seem to have this connection that, you know, I didn't really get like a vibe where it started. I know they were on the swap together, but, you know, you don't really see too much of their friendship bonding. Even though later on, Ty references that Aubrey was who he wanted to be with in the beginning, which I guess the beginning was the tribe swap. But <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, you know, there's four tribals before that, but he calls it the beginning. So, yeah, then she kind of pulls him over and then he still kind of seems like he's in the middle. Now they're at tribal and they have the super idol and Scott gets the most votes. And while Scott and Jason want Ty to use the super idol, Ty actually has two votes mm-hmm. at tribal, putting him at risk. So if he uses the super idol, he potentially is, you know, it's a suicide move. So I don't understand kind of how Scott and Jason couldn't see why mm-hmm. Ty wasn't willing to use it. Yeah, Ty had two votes cast against against him from Julia and Michelle. And so had he taken Scott off the hook here, it would have ended up in a 2-2 tie with uh, two votes for Aubrey, two votes for Ty Trang. Exactly, yeah. And then somehow in this episode, it doesn't get referenced till the next episode, but sometime Joe, Sydney, Aubrey, and Ty have made this foursome. Mm-hmm. They don't reference it until after Tribal when Michelle's kind of confused. She's left out of it because she voted for Ty. But before Tribal, these four formed together. So Aubrey and Ty, who are both going to play again, you know, formed that bond with Joe and Sydney as well. I just want to go back to the moment with Scott asking Ty for the Super Idol because I think it's probably Ty's best moment on the show. So can you just take us through exactly how that happens where Scott Pollard ends up with half of he's holding Kyle Jason's idol and he looks to Ty for the second half of the idol. Yeah. And Ty doesn't say one word. He just kind of looks at him and shakes his head. Mm-hmm. And there's no audio from Ty. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't really even tell him, no, yeah. I'm not going to do it. Like no reasoning. It's a little bit of the opposite of the Jay and Michaela vote. He's a little more sheepish about it. Yeah, definitely. And he knows that they're going to be upset at him. The one time that we'd be okay with Ty saying something, he actually is quiet. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So, all right. You mentioned this new four-person alliance, which is going to take hold. They end up taking out Julia and then eventually Jason. 
But at the point where Kyle Jason ends up going home, Ty then has another bit of a conflict at tribal council, this time with Michelle. Yeah. So Michelle wasn't included in the alliance. And for, you know, just for good reason to kind of keep the vote clean without any potential of them letting everyone know what was going on. So now, you know, they're there and Michelle, she wants to keep Julia because they have that beauty bond. And, you know, she thinks now is a good time to get out Ty. And they're they're going at it at Tribal. And what Ty kind of tells Michelle at this point is he says, you know, she wasn't included for a reason. The quota that stood out to me is when the alliance was formed, his first question was, why do we have an extra person? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, like doesn't even name her. He just calls her an extra person. And that that kind of sets Michelle off. To which I believe she will ultimately say. It sounds like a bunch of malarkey to me. (laughs) Exactly. And she tells Ty that she was with them before he was. At this tribal council, Ty is going to use his vote advantage. He's going to cast two votes against Michelle. Refresh my memory. How did Ty get the extra vote? They had that challenge where they could bid on different, you know, advantages slash rewards in the game. And he picked the advantage in the game and he was the winner of that. Right. Oh, it was like an endurance competition, right? That you could pick if you wanted an advantage, if you wanted what, like a letter from home. And then if you wanted to eat. Yeah. Julia got the letter from home and then Ty got the game advantage. So he puts his two votes on Michelle and then still Jason ends up going home. And I think that it wasn't maybe featured in the show, but I feel like from the post game interviews where everybody was sort of like wanted to keep Michelle on board. Ty was the only person really driving to get rid of her. I think that Joe, I think was also a big factor in that. If I remember my interview with uh, Michelle correctly, going back before Jason goes home, he kind of is talking to Ty and Ty's apologizing for flipping on him. And Jason has this kind of foreshadowing quote that stood out to me. And he says, for a guy with such a big heart, he sure does flip a lot and he's going to end up having the same fate that I do, which in the end, you know, Ty is on the outs. Jason's right now sitting. He's the only one and not in this alliance. And it kind of foreshadows that once Jason's gone, Ty is the odd man out. And I think that this stuff is really important, especially these details, maybe even more so than some of these other people that played further back, because you have to remember that for us, it's sort of like the details are a little bit fuzzy. But for the people that went out to play, this is the last thing that they saw. And, you know, these events that we're talking about, They saw them within like a calendar month of playing the game. And some of these things are not really great looks for Ty. And as much as he's such a lovable guy, like that, it might be a negative impression in the minds of some of these other players. Yeah, no, definitely. It's going to be interesting what the perception of him is from his cast members on this season. You know, Debbie and Aubrey kind of how how they feel from what went down because Ty flipped almost every other week. But even the people that just watched the show and the people that knew they were on the season that are just sitting there watching this and like sort of like scouting game film on him. Some of this stuff in terms of like him flipping and being wishy-washy, I think could potentially be very much front of mind for the other players. Yeah, I agree. They're going to notice that Ty is not someone who is very loyal. He's likable, but he doesn't have a sense of loyalty that or he's not perceived as a sense of loyalty to the viewers. Then we get to after Kyle Jason goes home, we have Joe ends up getting medevaced, but he ends up trying to get something going with Michelle, right? Yeah, so he tries to get something with Michelle, but Joe, Sydney, and Aubrey all go on a reward. They get a massage, and back at camp, Ty gives Michelle a massage, a second-rate massage, so she can kind of enjoy some sort of reward. <laughs> yes, and Ty massage. Yeah, Michelle flat-out tells him, she says, her door was never closed to Ty. You know, Ty was the one shutting her out of the Alliance, and she was always kind of willing to work for him, you know, ever since they were on the Beauty Tribe. She, you know, has been willing to work with Ty. So they kind of agree that they're they're the ones on the outs. 
the other three are going to be tight. They picked each other for the reward. So they kind of decide they want to stick together at this point. And then Aubrey is the person that talks him back onto Team Aubrey, right? Yeah. So he's kind of talking to Aubrey and they have this really sad moment where Ty just breaks down and cries. You know, the game's getting to him at this point. He has formed this attachment to everyone that has left. You know, there isn't anyone here who he doesn't like. And he just cries and he doesn't know what to do. And Aubrey's telling him that she's there for him and he needs to take some time for himself. It's a really, like, heartwarming moment to show this bond that Ty and Aubrey do. Like, they care for each other as people. He's ultimately going to make it to the final three with Aubrey and Michelle. And he's going to take it kind of hard from the Survivor jury. Yeah. And actually, before that, I want to point out that with Joe getting medevac, Ty actually never did get to use his idol. He hung on to it for the whole game, and he never got a chance to play it because of Joe's medevac. Is there anything from the final Tribal Council or even uh, the events leading up to it that you want to touch on from Korong? Tide kind of still shows to have this influence kind of still throughout the game. You know, when they're in the final three and Michelle gets to eliminate a jury, Ty is the one who kind of convinces her to take out Neil. He's pulling her aside and he's telling her how Neil's vote's cast. You know, she seems kind of unsure who she wants to eliminate. And Ty is the one telling her to get rid of Neil, which she ultimately eliminates from the jury. So I don't know if Michelle had already had her mind made up or if Ty is still pulling this influence with the group even though the game's practically over. You know, there's no more vote-outs, but he's still kind of calling the shots, even though he's not going to be respected well in the end. He's not going to get the jury to appreciate his game. Ty ultimately is going to end up being a zero-vote finalist, and uh, Michelle is going to be the winner of the season. The big moment, though, from the finale that's got to be really top of mind is this moment that happens with Ty and Sia at the finale where she comes up and talks about how Ty was her favorite. And because of his work with Mark the Chicken, she's going to present him $50,000. Yeah. And she actually even mentions that she would have liked to give Keith Nail some money from the season before. So drawing even further like similarities to Ty and Keith Nail. But yeah, she's a big animal activist. So she admires him keeping Mark the Chicken alive throughout the whole game. And, you know, she admires his big heart and thinks he's just one of the nicest people. Maybe at this point she had seen that the jury had ripped him to shreds or I don't know if this was already planned or how that was going to work, but he was going to get nothing. So she came in and with his extra money, it basically got more than the second place prize. He got more than Aubrey. (laughs) So do you think that Sia put a bigger target on Ty's back in any way because that she maybe blew up his spot to be bigger? I don't know. That's what I'm kind of interested to see if anyone is going to care that he was respected by Sia or if that's going to make them want to work with him. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they want to get noticed by Sia too or some other pop star. I don't even know who else watches. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question. Where I think it's going to show up is if there is any sort of business with there's some sort of living creature that shows up and Ty wants to take it in as a pet. If Ty does the mark the chicken bit with another animal the second time around, I could definitely see the other survivors sort of like rolling their eyes and being like, uh, here we go. Because for the people that are watching at home, sure, it's great that Ty is trying to protect the animals. But don't forget to the survivors, that's food. And Ty, if he is being seen as somebody who's sort of like taking the food, making it into pets, taking food out of their mouth and has the perception of trying to like ham it up for screen time to end up getting money for something from a pop star at the finale, like something like outside of the game and not really putting the interests of the tribe 
front and center. I think that's the kind of thing that will wear very thin with the other players. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if they're just going to want to get rid of him or, or if someone like Tony or Brad or Troy is one of these like really manly men is just going to kill the chicken and not tell Ty <laughs> and say some sort of accident happened and, you know, maybe not let Ty know that they're the one who orchestrated this chicken dying. <laughs> the other survivors tend to not like it if they perceive that somebody is doing something for screen time, if they're like really hamming it up. It really wore very thin with Philip the second time around. And I think that if Ty is going to try anything, I would say if, if you're Ty the second time around, don't even bother with any of the animals. Just let everybody do what they want to do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, I can't see any sort of situation where it's going to go well for him. Right. I mean, the nicest person I can think that he's playing with is Sari. <laughs> yeah. But I still don't even think she's going to be on board with it. What adjustments do you think Ty needs to make before season 34? He just needs to definitely work on keeping his mouth shut. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a big thing. But he's really likable. So he already has an advantage. Like he's going to go in and looking at his tribe, you know, he's got Andrea and Sierra there who would be on the beauty tribe if there was some sort of if they were on cast in that season, I think. Mm -hmm. So he may bond with them, you know, being a beauty himself. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of people who are potentially would want to work with him based on his likability, as long as he could prove that he's trustworthy and can keep his mouth shut. Yeah, and I've long said for Ty, I think the secret for him is don't get involved with the hidden immunity idol. Don't get involved with the super idol. Don't get involved with the advantage, because I think that that's just not his game. I think that his game is just being likable, being a provider. He can win an endurance challenge when he needs to and just being somebody that people can count on being more of a number than somebody who's really trying to play a very strategic game. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely the main thing he needs to focus on. Looking at some of the people he's playing with, Tony's going to be looking for the idols. Like, let Tony handle that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let some of these other people that you know, like Ozzy, you know, potentially is probably going to be someone who they're going to want to target over Ty, especially if Ty can provide. Yeah. Then they're not going to want to keep Ozzy. And Ty and Tony is a very interesting dynamic because... Ty ended up being the person who, like Tony, ended up with idols, ended up with advantages in Survivor Co. Wrong. But the thing about Tony is that he plays the game five million miles per hour. And so he's always like, go, 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 hustle, 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 lie, lie, lie. And everything just comes out so quick where Ty, he's looking for these idols and advantages and he seems to have a bit of a knack for finding those things. But He's not good at lying and his responses are very slow and he's not quick at tribal council and being able to respond when people are accusing him of things. So that's the big difference between those two people. And because he's so bad at that part of the game, like he can't be engaging in that part of the survivor strategy. Yeah. And while I would agree with that, I do think Ty does make rash decisions like if something sets him off. He's going to flip. He's going to do something quickly that he should have thought about before he did that. So him and Tony may need each other to kind of talk through the decisions that they have mm -hmm. instead of both just like making some sort of quick move. But I do think that Ty likes to feel like that he has like some stakes in the decision that are made. Whereas Tony, I think, is more likely to say, OK, trust me. Woo, this is what we're doing tonight. Don't ask any questions. I mean, I agree. Maybe maybe they'll bond, too, because, you know, Ty loves animals and Tony can speak llama. <laughs> maybe. <so>. Maybe. <laughs> OK. Any other misconceptions about Ty Trang uh, before we talk about season 34's cast besides Beast Mode Cowboy and Aubrey and Debbie? Um, No, I think we pretty much covered everything. And, yeah, I mean, like his strengths are being likable and finding an idol. And then his downfall is he talks too much and he flips 
too quickly, which I think are the main points to look at. So here he is in this tribe with Debbie and certainly among the other people that he's going to be there with Andrea, Sari, Sarah Lucina, fan favorite Sierra Don Thomas, and then with the men, Brad Culpepper, JT, Ozzy, and Zeke. Do you see anybody here who's a natural ally for Ty? So, yeah, I think kind of just based on similar relationships that he had before, if I was to compare, you know, people to what he had before, Andrea and Sierra would be considered beauties that he's potentially going to work with. Brad could be kind of seen the same lines as Scott Pollard. But all these people that worked with Ty at one point and had good relationships with him, he may be able to form those strong bonds instantly and get their trust. Do you see JT as a potential new beast mode cowboy for Ty? I could definitely see that, yeah. I was kind of looking at who JT's playing with. Ty could be the closest thing to his new Steven on this original tribe. (laughs) Wow, Ty is the new Steven. But now, beast mode cowboy definitely did like sort of the screen time of being sort of like uh, oddball partners with Ty. Do you sense that JT would be up for something like that? I think so, yeah. I think JT is, he seems very trusting. So I think he's, first impressions seem to go a long way with him. Yeah. You know, he, looking at heroes versus villains, he just looked at the villains tribe and thought he saw Russell in trouble. So he made a decision. He didn't really think things through. He just let his first impression guide him, which with Ty's, you know, radiant personality, he may be drawn to that pretty instantly. I feel like that part of Beast Mode Cowboy is, you know, he'll ham it up and let Ty steal a kiss from him because he knows that that's going to be a funny moment on the TV show. I feel like that JT doesn't really have that gear. I don't think so, no. Yeah. You know, you kind of get what you see with JT. He doesn't have like that funny side to him that we really saw. He's just very natural and, you know, he doesn't try to put on a shtick or anything. Zeke is somebody who I think is an interesting ally for Ty. Now, Zeke is going to know who Ty is. Ty isn't going to know who Zeke is. But do you feel like that they're going to be able to be able to bond? I think it could go either way. They, you know, are both gay men, so they could have that in common and be drawn to one another. Or, you know, they could knock it along like Zeke may not like how much Ty flips or how untrustworthy he was. Yeah, that'll be an interesting relationship to follow. I, I think that Ty and Ozzy feels like to me that they are going to be good friends. Yeah, definitely. And Ty mentions, too, in the first episode when he's climbing trees that he's just like Ozzy. So, you know, he's well aware who Ozzy is. You know, he names him Mm -hmm. in the first episode as someone he's kind of trying to be like. I think Ty, you know, maybe he's going to be a little starstruck having Ozzy on his side and Ozzy and him are going to be the ones providing for the camp. Yeah. And both of them are very comfortable outdoors. Both of them speak about how much they love nature. So I think that that's a pretty good bond. The Brad Culpepper thing to me is a little bit troublesome because I just wonder if Ty is going to look at Brad like a Scott Pollard and he did not have the best experience with those guys. Yeah. So I don't know if he's going to use it as his advantage, you know, has an instant connection and then kind of not trust him later on or if he's just instantly going to be turned off by that Mm -hmm. because he may just kind of want to take what he can get at the start. If, you know, someone's willing to work with him, Brad takes a liking to him. He may just take it just to have something. Another person that's here in this tribe with Ty is Sari. Do you feel like that Sari is going to have warm feelings towards Ty? I think so. You know, they both seem like they're they're really like happy, optimistic, you know, nice people. And I think they're going to be drawn to each other. I don't know what Suri's, you know, impression of Ty's game is. You know, she may not like that he flips so much because she's she's loyal. Yeah. You know, she doesn't prove to be anyone who flips all three alliances. She's stuck with who she was with. 
Yeah, trust is really big to her. And if I go back to Survivor fans versus favorites, she came in and she really had a bullseye on Yao Man. And I think she said that, look, if there are idols out here, Yao is going to find them. So I wonder if that's the thing. The people that tend to find idols are people that she wants to target. Sari has proven that, you know, she likes to work with women. Mm -hmm. So she may, the five of them may end up being a strong alliance that Ty's going to have to worry about. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Just to go back to Aubrey here for a moment. Do you feel like that Ty and Aubrey will be looking to work together if they're both in the game after a swap or the merge? I think so. Yeah, I think Aubrey is probably going to be a little hesitant and just knowing, you know, the history they had and he's flipped on her multiple times. So she may be a little hesitant, but I think she's going to be happy to see him when they get to the merge and it's going to be someone she's going to want to spend time with. I just don't know how much trust she's going to put into him this time. Now, if I recall correctly, when I did the exit interviews for Survivor Call Wrong, I think that Ty and Aubrey were on the same call with me. How was the chemistry there between Ty and Aubrey? They seem like they still get along very well. They seem like they care about each other outside of the game, and they seem like they have a genuine friendship with one another. Okay. So, Casey, have you given any thought to a prediction for Ty for season 34? You know, I'm kind of sticking with him kind of having the Keith Nail story. I think he's going to go to the finals, maybe not final three, but I think, you know, he's going to go far. He's really good at getting himself out of hot water when he used to. You know, he was at risk multiple times and his personality was able to save him and make people still want to keep him in the game. In terms of the fan reaction to Ty, do you think that he is looked at as a popular player this season or do you think that he has the potential to take a villain turn? Um, He definitely could potentially be a villain, you know, with the way he doesn't show much loyalty. He could definitely run with that and kind of keep doing what he's doing. But I think people are going to be excited to see him back as a character. It doesn't sound like his gameplay was too popular with a lot of people just because he wasn't sticking with anything. He was, you know, he seemed very fickle Mm -hmm. at the drop of a hat. He was willing to switch. He was willing to do something else. He didn't care if he had these like long relationships for the whole game. That didn't seem to mean anything to him. Well, I am happy that he's back. I think that he's somebody that should be fun to watch again. Personally, I'm a big fan of him. I've always really had fun the couple of times that I've gotten to meet him. He is my son Dominic's favorite survivor and probably the only survivor other than myself that he could look at a picture of and tell you who he is. So Ty is uh, popular at my house. Yeah, he's a huge character. I mean, going into it, I would say he's definitely one of the top five characters if you're just looking at a character standpoint. Top five, baby. Okay. Do you think, is there any way that we could say Ty Trang changed the game? Is there any way that we could sort of like paint that picture? Aside from being an iconic character, he's definitely someone that proved that you can find a chicken and then get money at the finale. I mean, aside from that, yeah, he definitely proved that, that Fia's always watching. You know, you may not see her, but she can see you. Um. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my God, look at a chicken. <laughs> yeah, no, I just think he kind of proved that, you know, nothing's final till Tribal Council. He really proved that every week after week, you see him and you're like, oh, Ty's out of here. But he kind of proved that, you know, at Tribal, there's still a lot of game to be played there. Casey, this was very fun to go through everything Ty with you. Any other final thoughts you want to leave us with about Ty? Yeah, I think he's going to do well. I'm confident in him going pretty far. I don't know if he's a potential winner, but I think we're going to see a lot of Ty next season. Casey, if people want to follow up with you about Ty questions or anything else, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Tweet me, Instagram. It's at Casey Featherston, just my full name. And yeah, reach out to me. I'm always on there. Uh, Well, Casey, thank you for all of your hard work going back and watching all of Survivor Co. Wrong and uh, doing the research on Ty Trang. I greatly appreciate it. 
And it's very fun. And let's see how high fares on the Game Changers. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Rob. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Good stuff, Casey. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Rob. All right, everybody. There you have it. The Survivor Game Changer preview series is in the books. And what a ride it's been. Thanks so much to all of the guests who did so much work on this thing, watching two seasons, three seasons of Survivor, listening to hours of podcasts and evolution of strategy. Thank you guys so much that I've gotten so much positive feedback from the listeners about this series. People said it really helped pass the time waiting for the new season to start. So thanks to everybody that contributed to this uh, job well done. And thank you guys so much for listening to this series. It was something that was very fun for me to tackle as a project recording these over these uh, last few weeks. So I'm glad that it went as well as it did, of course. Another big thank you to Ali Giancola, who helped me so much with just from an organizational standpoint where we went through all of the different applications and ultimately the scheduling. So thank you so much to Ali. And again, thank you so much to the patrons. Could not have done it without you guys. If you want to find out more about the benefits of becoming a patron, and we got some fun stuff coming up that we're going to announce, Rob has a website.com slash patron is the link. Rob is a website.com slash patron. Now, heading into next week, I haven't really talked a lot about this, but let me give you a taste of what's to come coming up next Wednesday, just as you know, a little extra for those of you guys who stuck around. And then the people that turn the podcast off, they can be like on Twitter, like, hey, what's happening next week? So I'll tell you guys. So first, we're going to have our Survivor Know-It-Alls after the two-hour episode, Stephen Fishback, He's having people over his house or something. We're going to be starting a little bit later. I think that we're scheduled to start at 11 p.m. Eastern. I will lock that down. The episode's going to end at 10 Eastern. So probably a little bit of a buzzkill for those of you guys who are waiting for the know-it-alls immediately after the episode. So Stephen Fishback has to have a social life. I can't control that, okay? So I'm sorry. But Stephen Fishback is very excited. Probably a JT homecoming party or something like that. So we will get you guys the Survivor know-it-alls. If you can't join us live, of course, the podcast will be there for you on Thursday morning when you're headed to work or whenever you consume the podcast. That's going to be Wednesday night after the two-hour edition. Then on Thursday, I will be speaking to the first two people voted out of Survivor Game Changers on our exit interview podcast. That will be back on Thursday mornings. Those go up around like 1, 2 p.m. on the East Coast on Thursdays. And I will be having on the recap this Thursday, I will be having the first player voted out of Survivor Cambodia, Vitas Pushkaskis will join me. Vitas, totally come to the studio next Thursday to talk about the new first boot of the all all star season. So I'm looking forward to that. And then on the voicemails, we're going to have that show for you coming out on Friday. We're going to be taking your feedback questions with Chaos Cass, another person from Survivor Cambodia. I'm sure that she will have a lot to say about Sarah, about Tony. We will get Cass's responses to your feedback coming up on our feedback show and then plenty more coming throughout the next week covering a new season of Survivor. We'll be shot out of a cannon. It's going to be a lot of fun to get into Survivor 34 
game changer. So thanks again so much to everybody listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate all of the support. So don't be a stranger on the Twitter. I'm at Rob Sisterino. Hope you guys have a good weekend. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.